public should expect a high standard and when they're not a high standard then there are there are law enforcement folks whether on the federal level or the state level will come in and fix it or at least address it and keep it from trying to keep it from happening again what's up everybody i'm flood the drummer and you're listening to drumming for justice it's november 18th 2018 Someone is in trouble here in Philadelphia, and her name is Desiree Peterkin Bell, the former city representative and close aide to former mayor Michael Nutter. Last week, Ms. Peterkin Bell was charged with public corruption by the Pennsylvania Attorney General. Questions about Ms. Peterkin Bell's misuse of taxpayers' dollars began circulating in 2016 when the city controller did an audit of the mayor's fund for Philadelphia. For anyone who follows Philadelphia news, you know that, sadly, corruption is as germane to the city as cheesesteaks and peanut chews. Joining me today to discuss Philly's brand of corruption is former Philadelphia City Commissioner Stephanie Singer, who's currently writing a book on corruption in the city of brotherly love and who worked in City Hall during the Nutter administration. Ladies and gentlemen, former city commissioner of the city of Philadelphia, Stephanie Singer. Welcome to Drumming for Justice. Oh, it's so nice to talk to you, as always. My pleasure. So I knew when I was going to be talking about the issue of corruption and covering the story uh, with uh, the mayor, the former mayor's administration, I, I, I thought, who would be the best to talk about corruption in Philadelphia? And more importantly, who's not shy to discuss the issue uh, of course, you came to mind in part because you worked in City Hall while Mayor Nutter was uh, in office. But more importantly, it's something that we'll dive into a little uh, further in the conversation. You're currently working on a book about corruption in Philadelphia. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it was the corruption in Philadelphia, at least at part, that, that, that inspired you to leave the city, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I want to... <laughs> I would <have laughs> love to have uh, stayed in Philadelphia and uh, kept on working for free and fair elections and an informed, engaged electorate in Philadelphia. Um, I was, uh, I, yeah, I was devastated, devastated to have to leave. So yeah. I know it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting story. We'll, we'll dive into it in, in just a moment. But I want to I want to start with the newsy item and set a timeline for both our listeners and for you, get you a, give you a chance to react to the news. Uh, so former city representative Desiree Peterkin-Bell, who was also um, one of Mayor Nutter's closest aides uh, while he was in office, she was uh, announced uh, she's being charged on Tuesday um, for public corruption. Uh, here's the timeline uh, as we know it. In August of 2016, then-city controller Alan Bukovitz at a press conference released the details of his audit of the mayor's fund for Philadelphia. And at that time, he said Desiree Peterkin Bell, again, who was then city representative, had used the nonprofit as a slush fund. So let's go back just a little bit. In 2014, the fund contained $500,000, according to Buckovitz, which was then split into two accounts. $300,000 went to the grants fund, and $200,000 
was placed in something called a reserves account, Philadelphia Magazine reports. Bukovic said then that the reserve account was created without approval by the board of the mayor's fund. Quote, so basically they took $200,000 out of a $500,000 fund and had no rules for how they were to spend it. According to the audit, here were some of the expenses. $766 on a one-way flight from San Francisco to Philadelphia, $704 on Uber rides, $52,000 in expenses at a Philadelphia Courtyard Marriott, and $80 for a pair of shoes at Macy's. After About a week after Buckovitz announced this, uh, Desiree Peter Campbell filed a lawsuit in the Court of Common Pleas, alleging that Mr. Buckovitz had defamed her character. The lawsuit was eventually thrown out, and the audit's findings were sent to the Pennsylvania Attorney General. And again, on Tuesday, November 13th, Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro announced public corruption charges against Ms. Peter Kimbell. He said she is charged with allegedly stealing $20,000 in city funds through the use of two credit cards and misspending another $225,000 from the fund that was supposed to go to supporting the now-defunct Philadelphia bike race. What say you? What's your reaction? well (laughs) so it's um it's it's just another instance of someone uh i had some contact with in philadelphia being charged with corruption oh so you've Um, you've interacted with peter cabell before yes very slightly very slightly um but but just uh it's yeah it seems it's always a quite a familiar name when the you know, if you do a Google search on uh, Philadelphia and corruption charges. <laughs> um, and, and in fact, you know, as, as I've been writing the book, you know, I, I, uh, uh, I, you know, I've had to put a little asterisk by various names, you mm. know. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Charged. Oh, yeah. Convicted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the FBI is circling around this other one. Um, and, and I should say it, it's, it's both people uh, who, uh, who were, were, you know, kind of obviously to me um, involved in bad stuff, but also some people who, uh, you know, were really, uh, really friendly and I thought doing good things. And what category <laughs> would Peter Kimbell fall in? Was she somebody who you're not surprised or someone who you felt was doing good things? No, it was, it was really, it was very slight and okay. I don't even remember the substance of it. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, she's a, a, was working for Mayor Nutter and, um, and, 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 you know, yeah, Nutter is a really interesting figure, mm-hmm. really interesting figure when you think about corruption in Philadelphia. Um, and, and I'm reminded of, of uh, something uh, that I read in this, uh, there's a great book by uh, Yanis Garoufakis, who was the finance minister of Greece mm-hmm. um, uh, as, as the European Union was, uh, 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 well, I mean, he, he tells the story of, of trying to fight what the European Union and the, the IMF was trying to do uh, to Greece. Um, and he's, he's, a, he's really a comes off as a real straight up guy, um, you know, a, a drumming for, he's a, he's a drummer for justice, really seems to be. And, um, 
And he starts his book uh, relating a conversation uh, that he has with Larry Summers. Um, and, and basically Summers says to him, well, congratulations, you got, you know, you're part of this new government. You got appointed to be finance minister for this, you know, popular young new prime minister of Greece. And uh, you have a choice. Uh, you can be an insider or you can be an outsider. Mm-hmm. As an outsider, you get to stick to your principles. And as an insider, you get to get things done. And the price of being an insider is that you cannot criticize other insiders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you feel as Nutter was an insider? Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Totally an insider. Now, I wrote this piece on Friday uh, entitled, Michael Nutter has a legacy of ethics. Well, Desiree Peter Bell ruin it. Uh, that can be found um, simply by searching Techbook Online or Apple News or going to facebook.com slash The Real TBO Inc. And what I laid out in this piece, Stephanie, is that there were numerous of articles from 2014 uh, to around 2016 uh, from Philadelphia Magazine, from Technically Philly, various journalists, they were all praising Michael Nutter for the standard of ethics uh, that he up, up, upheld. Uh, he was even awarded in 2015 uh, the Integrity Award, named after uh, the former uh, ethics chief of the city of Philadelphia. Uh, do you think that that legacy is in jeopardy of being ruined? Or will Desiree Peter Campbell, if she's found guilty, be seen as a lone actor? Because, and I, I'll, I'll preface it with saying, I've talked to people who say they can't believe that this went down and Nutter didn't know. Yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 hard to know, right? It's hard to know. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe he knew, or maybe he didn't know. I mean, he being mayor is is a big, complicated job, and there are a lot of moving pieces, mm-hmm. and um, keeping track of every last one of them. Uh, you have to when when you're an executive in government and you're running a, a big city. Uh, you have to function by trusting people who work for you. You just mm-hmm. don't have time to check absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. One of the challenges. So, so I, I don't know where this falls. Um, um, but I, I do know that there were ethical things that got smoothed over by either either uh, Nutter or people he appointed in ways that I don't really understand how it happened and it didn't seem right to me. Can you elaborate on that at all? Yeah, I'll give you two examples. Um, One example was when Anthony Clark gave his brother a raise at the Board of Elections. And Anthony Clark uh, is a city commissioner for those who are listening not in Philadelphia. He was one of your colleagues. He was an also a city commissioner, correct? Yes. And mm-hmm. he gave his brother a raise um, and uh, for no extra work. Mm. Uh, this is theft of services. Mm-hmm. And this was reported to Amy Curlin, the inspector general, who has a very high reputation, as far as I know, for... Uh, Ethics, uh, who was appointed by Michael Nutter. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, inspector general of the city never investigated it. Mm. 
Now, do you know this by second hand or do you know this because you were part of the, the, the cohort that filed that complaint? Yeah, I, I, I informed the inspector general. Okay. Yeah. So. And what were you expecting her to do? Well, it's theft of services, which is uh, pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So um, I was expecting that there would be some kind of investigation mm-hmm. and that there would be some kind of consequence either for Anthony Clark or for um, his brother who, who took this money or both. Um, now, Anthony Clark is a pretty, you know, kind of controversial, interesting figure. Again, for those who, who don't live in Philadelphia, and maybe even for those who do but have never heard of him, this is a city commissioner uh, who I believe is retiring uh, next year. And um, for those who aren't aware, city commissioners, their job is to oversee fair and free elections and to mobilize and encourage people to vote. This was a gentleman who said he doesn't vote. Uh, who, who was kind of publicly shamed uh, by some for, for not voting. This was a guy who said he doesn't use computers and emails and who sometimes didn't even show up to work. What was it like working for a guy who, who was this ethically challenged? So, so first of all, I didn't work for him. I was work with him, excuse me. But, so, and, but I, he, he showed up at the meetings. I should say that, that this is part of what goes on with the city commissioner's post. Really, uh, there is not much work required of city commissioners mm-hmm. and showing up at the meetings. Okay. And the fact that there is, there are three people who are paid generously full time to hold these posts mm-hmm. is something that maybe the, the people of the city of Philadelphia want to uh, think about whether that's really the best use of their tax dollars. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're talking about a, a with Peter Kinbell, a you know, a fund of $200,000 um, between the commissioners and their staffs. You're looking at half a million dollars every year mm. in salary. And that's not counting benefits. And, and I should mention pension. Mm-hmm. So Clark may be retiring from the city of Philadelphia, but he is going to go out with a really lovely pension mm-hmm. every year as long as he lives. And he's not an old man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, um, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. For not a lot of work. That's right. That's right. For someone like uh, Anthony Clark, I mean, uh, just just to be clear, you know, Anthony Clark and other city, city commissioners, when you worked there, you guys didn't necessarily work for the Nutter administration. You were in City Hall, but you guys were independent, right? So um, That's right. And, we're and, elected. Right. Yeah. So Anthony Clark's actions aren't necessarily or shouldn't necessarily be reflective of Michael Nutter's standards, right? Oh, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. No, Michael, no, no. Uh, the city commissioners are independently elected, not report to the mayor. What did you think of Michael Nutter while you worked in City Hall? What type of interactions did you have with him? <laughs> so, um, uh, I know from so, that laugh, it's going to be a good story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, I'll, I'll give you the dry one first. <laughs> So, so the, the dry one and the, the one that, that also um, points to 
some, I mean, possibly some kind of ethical challenge is, is that uh, the last year that I was in office, um, Nutter, uh, Nutter's office was holding meetings about buying new voting technology. And they were holding those meetings with Republican Al Schmidt and with, um, with a, uh, a lawyer who represented the, one of the major election technology companies. And Al Schmidt, just and, to be, just to, for clarity, Al Schmidt is also a city commissioner. Yes. And mm-hmm. he's, yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, and this was not done in any way openly with the board of elections. In fact, I, uh, found out about it only from this representative of the voting machine company. Mm. So, so they were, uh, and they issued a request for proposals that, um, that really heavily favored uh, the existing vendors. I mean, they, they were really, it, it was, it was shady. Let okay. me put it that way. Mm-hmm. It looked shady to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh you know, if you look and see how much money certain law firms have given to elected officials or candidates for office, um, it becomes more understandable why it is that the people in elected office, both the city commissioners who eventually make the decision and the city council who, because they fund the decision to buy new voting technology, are all involved. And this is still very much a live question because Philadelphia is going to have to buy new election technology. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, my, that's my dry little story. Um, now, how, but, should that, um, how should the meeting have, what should have been the proper protocol? What would have made you feel comfortable if Nutter had come to all three city commissioners and said, this is what we're interested in. I want to get your feedback and have you meet with some of the vendors. Well, if if they had, if he had said, yeah, that that, uh, yeah, this is what we're thinking about. And I want to get feedback from all three commissioners and we are going to uh, put out, you know, we're going to start the process, the procurement process. And let's have the city commissioners all be involved. Mm-hmm. And that could have been done in a, you know, sort of. Uh, you know, one commissioner at a time, more informal way, or it could have been done in a formal way with the mayor, you know, formally sending something to all three city commissioners um, that could be discussed at a commissioner's meeting. And, you know, there's, um, there are a lot of different ways to do it, but to, you know, on the sly, pull one commissioner in to talk about it and to, um, uh, to leave out one commissioner who, uh, everybody knows is quite opinionated on the subject. <laughs> <laughs> and you're talking about yourself, of course. Yes. <laughs> yes. Why do you think yeah. he picked Al Schmidt? Al Schmidt's a Republican. He was a Democrat. What, what do you think was their relationship? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But he he didn't he didn't call you. You you found out about your own. When you found out about it, did you confront the mayor? Yes, I did. What was that like? Well, I confronted him through his, uh, through his, uh, maybe was his chief of staff, Gillison. Edward Gillison. Mm-hmm. Everett, yeah. Everett, Gill- yeah. Everett Gillison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, it, well, it was, 
I mean, it was unpleasant. It was, it mm. was unpleasant. It had to be done very formally um, with all T's crossed and all I's dotted. Um, well, now, when you say it was unpleasant, are you saying it was unpleasant because of what you wrote or because of how Everett Gillison responded? I mean, there was nothing unprofessional about how he responded. Okay. Um, but it, it was not pleasant to have to confront the mayor's office at all on that score. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, so, so, you know, I, uh, you know, when I made my insider outsider choice, I chose outsider. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that was, that was difficult for me. It was difficult for me because um, there were so many things I wanted to do for the people of Philadelphia mm -hmm. and, uh, and for free and fair elections. And in particular, I would have loved to have helped the people of Philadelphia be able to vote on paper so that there is actually a record of each person's vote and you can actually check and make sure that the votes are counted correctly. Um, uh, There's no voter fraud in Philadelphia, though, is it? Uh, well, what do you mean by voter fraud? Well, I, I mean, just in the way that term is used, that, you know, multiple people are are voting at one or people who are not, you know, maybe not legal citizens are voting. I mean, I, I guess in the most common way that voter fraud, that term is used. Is that a problem? Or I guess I'm, I, I brought that up because I'm wondering what voting on paper ballots would have to do with anything. Oh, oh, well, it had, I mean, it has to do with, um, it, it has to do with whether someone can, uh, from a foreign country can hack in and change, change the vote totals. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so the question of what happens in and around the voting booths, I mean, there is plenty of bad conduct in, in uh, Philadelphia polling places. Uh, I've seen some of it myself. I've heard heard uh, a lot about it from other people um what you saw would that be considered corruption or is that just kind of you know par for the course in in, in elections no there's a there's a whole there's a, the the whole culture of elections in philadelphia is is so deeply uh uh okay with corruption i mean my first experience with it was at a, a, a polling place, my polling place near Rittenhouse Square, where there was uh, literature for the local state rep candidate mm -hmm. sitting on the table in the polling place, mm. which is absolutely illegal. And I should say was, at least at the time, absolutely done everywhere, even in Rittenhouse Square. And the person mm. who dressed me down for having the nerve to remove that stuff was a retired school teacher. Mm. So, so just so to paint the picture, when you walk into this polling place, uh, you, you would be uh, uh, met with literature, posters, signage about a particular candidate. It, it wasn't posters and signage, but when you sign in at the poll, you know, you go to the desk to sign in and to, to uh, sign the poll book so that the, People at the desk can confirm, yeah, it's really you, so that then they can let you go to the machines to vote. Yeah. Right next to the poll books on the table was mm. a stack of literature. Mm. And there's supposed to be zero literature inside of the polling place? 
zero candidate literature inside the polling place. Okay. Yeah, the literature, you know, 10 feet outside the door is okay. And that's okay. why in Philadelphia, when you go to vote, there are always people 10 right. feet from the door <laughs> handing you stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's funny that you have this conversation yeah. because I, I, I know of uh, the last election, the midterms, um, there was a little um, dust up uh, at the polling place that I go to where a poll worker who was working for uh, Wagner, uh, Scott Wagner, who was uh, running to be governor, uh, they got in an argument with some of the people there because they were standing inside because it was raining that day. So they were standing inside handing out literature because they didn't want to get wet. And um, right. I don't think they understood. Um, well, you know, I don't think they were doing it intentionally because I know the person. But but I guess it also just speaks to how common that is. They didn't even think twice about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my first Philadelphia experience was back in 2000. I was living out in uh, in Haverford, so not living in the city, but I was uh, volunteering for the Al Gore campaign. And I was dispatched to a polling place in the 25th Ward, which is along the river. Uh, And I was having a nice time. It was a, you know, kind of chilly, gray November day. And I was standing out there handing out the gore literature. And there were two guys there who were standing there handing out uh, literature for uh, for George W. Bush. And and we were having the kind of good time you have even like when you totally disagree with someone. But, you know, you're out there, you know, at the polling place all day. It's like it's a human thing. It's Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. You know, you you know, you banter. We're having a good time. And um and a guy comes out of the um, of the polling place and um, and he says, and the polling place is some corner shop. And it, in my mind, it's it's like the lucky leprechaun pub, but I may be conflating. OK, so he comes out and he says to me, oh, you know, uh, honey, you should come on in. It's it's cold out there. Why don't you come inside? Mm. And, you know, it was chilly. So I did walk inside. You know, what did I know? And I realized I, I walk inside and I'm right next to a voting machine. Mm-hmm. And I, and, you know, and I say, um, is it okay to be right next to this voting machine? And he says, Oh yeah, don't worry. I'm the judge of elections. Mm. That, that was my first day in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, Welcome and, to and, Philadelphia. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the thing is that it's absolutely pervasive. And when, when this, this idea of what's okay and and to be fair, you know, if this guy, he, he, if he's the kind of guy who's going to read all the rules, well, that's great. Then he should have known. Mm. But if he's the kind of guy and a lot of people who work really hard at the polls on Election Day in Philadelphia are just neighbors doing their civic duty. And he may have been told by his ward leader, this is OK. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's it, it's not it. I mean, some people are really absolutely deliberately um, flouting the law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in Philadelphia are just, they just, they think that's just the way it, it's done. I, I had a conversation late, you know, after I'd gotten kicked off the ballot, um, I had a conversation with a... a no, you a got guy. kicked off the ballot when you were running for your second term. Yes. Okay. And what year so, was this? 2015? Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with a guy. Uh, he was like a, you know, mid-level Democratic Party union organizer guy. Um, and he said, you know, and I was, you know, on my way out. I mean, it was done. It was this, this 
he, so he said, he, he said, you know, I, I, I always kind of liked you and I'm really sorry. He said to me, I'm really sorry to see you go. And, um, and, you know, I don't understand, he says to me, uh, why you wouldn't, why you stopped giving out jobs in the board of elections. <laughs> it, you know, why did you, why did you, why did you try to change that? Mm. And I, I, I said, you know, um, because it's illegal mm-hmm. to government resources for political gain. And I knew that I couldn't look myself in the face or my dad in the face mm. if I did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he says, it can't be illegal. We've always done it that way. Mm. You know, I have a story. One of my best friends who runs a nonprofit in the city, um, he was asked to give a political fundraiser. And mm-hmm. he said, I, I can't do that. I'm a nonprofit. I don't want to threaten my 501c3 status. And the person responded, this is Philadelphia. We do that all the time. The person who, <laughs> yeah. sa- the person yeah. <laughs> who said that, it's worth mentioning that the person who said that was indicted uh, in relation to some of the scams with Seth Williams. So <laughs> there you have it, of course. I mean, so let's, yeah. let's talk about that for a second. Seth Williams, our district attorney. You know, I mean, yeah. the district attorney of Philadelphia in 2017 uh, was charged with two, over two dozen counts of corruption, uh, uh, finally pled down to one and was sentenced to 60 months in federal prison. But to me, that narrative that the chief law enforcement officer in the city At the time, the fifth largest city in America, the first black man or black person at all to hold that office, he basically was selling it from the moment he entered it. From the moment, you know, according to the indictment, from the moment he got into office, he started selling access. Uh, Yeah, you know, and, and part of the problem is that when everybody's doing it and this is not to excuse it but when everybody's doing stuff like that it makes it harder for people not to and it makes it easier for people who are willing to do that kind of thing to rise to the top mm. because they're not held accountable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. until maybe one day they're held accountable you know a long time later you had moved out of Philadelphia when Seth Williams was indicted. You had, you had already left, but I'm sure yes. that you had heard the news. What was your reaction? Well, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was personal mm-hmm. uh, because um, when I, I had reported to his office, lots of illegal election related behavior. Mm had really hoped that he would do something about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And he, not only did he not do it, but he, you know, he, his communications officer said some really nasty things about me. Um, Are you referring to Mr. Klein? No, no, no. Um, Who was it at the time? It was a woman. Okay. And I forget her name. Um, uh, So, uh, 
And when you say you reported bad behavior at the polling place, are you referring to what you you mentioned earlier about oh. literature being there, or was it something far oh, more not egregious? Just, no, 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 not just at the polling place. No, no, no. Things, things. Um, uh, no, things much worse than that, mm-hmm. uh, in, including including uh, Schmidt and Clark certifying an election early. So the certification is the real final final. And there's supposed to be five days between uh, when the results are announced and the certification. Mm-hmm. Um, so that if people want to sue in the Court of Common Pleas, they have time to do that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. They, this was in 2014, and this was for the committee person elections. And they, uh, they certified it before the five days had gone by. And in fact, they sent out certificates with my signature on it, which I didn't even know they were sending out. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay? So, yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that's what, that was the big thing. that. And I, I know was it was, it was, it was because of that experience, you were pretty adamant about getting information um, uh, on election security and election fraud to the newly elected district attorney, Larry Krasner. Did you have success with that? I don't know. I mean, I sent him, I, I sent him a, a write-up of that and uh, maybe a couple other things that were really top line important. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I never heard anything back from him and, and, you know, and I don't know if he saw it or not. Right. I mean, he has people around him that he has to trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of those people have come up through the typical Philly system. Mm. I want to read an excerpt to you uh, from a book. Uh, I, well, first, let me ask if you've ever heard the name Lincoln Stephens. Does that name? Yes. Oh, 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 I'm so glad I have it. <laughs> Look, you're so excited. Right now. <laughs> I, I have it open on, well, I don't know. I have the autobiography. Which book do you have? So the book uh, I'm referring to is Philadelphia, Corrupt and Contented from July 1903. Yeah, great. Let's have, okay. Let's have a Lincoln Stephens throwdown. You go first. <laughs> okay. So so here is a excerpt from the book, and this book is, as I mentioned, over a hundred years old, and it's talking about the concept, or I should say, the 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 um, uh, the topic that we're talking about now: corruption in Philadelphia. Here it is. Other American cities, no matter how bad their own condition may be, all point with scorn to Philadelphia as the worst, the worst governed city in the country. St. Louis, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh submit with some patience to the jibes of any other community. The most friendly suggestion from Philadelphia is rejected with contempt. The Philadelphians are supine, asleep, hopelessly ring-ruled. They are complacent, politically benighted. Philadelphia is supposed to have no light to throw upon the state of things that is almost universal. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I like it. I like it. Let, me read, let me read one more line. Let me just read this. Yeah, yeah. All our municipal, uh, 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 I, I'm tongue-tied, municipal, that's not the, how you pronounce the word, um, municipal, right? Isn't that how you say it? Municipal. M- municipal. I struggle with that word. All our municipal governments are more or less bad, and all our people are optimists. Philadelphia is simply the most corrupt and the most contented. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah. So listen, you should read the autobiography also, which okay. is, so I will read you part from a, from a chapter that is titled Philadelphia, a defeated people. Mm. So uh, he's talking to the ward boss at the time. Uh, basically the, you know, the guy who runs the, uh, I forget whether it was the Democrats or the Republicans at that time who were in charge, but you know, <laughs> whichever the party that was in charge. Um, and uh, he's talking to this this guy and uh, and he's saying, you know, uh, uh, Stephens is saying, I, you know, I've seen cities where there's been like some big steal that happens where there's some, you know, something that the government does that's really corrupt and is stealing from the people. Um, but but you guys here, you you did five of them. He says he says. You could put over one of those steels in New York or anywhere else, but one would be enough to strain any machine I know of. And he's talking about a political machine mm. and five or more. He smiled. And so he is the ward boss. We reasoned, he resumed. We agreed among ourselves that it was exactly the five or more that would save us. If we did any one of these things alone, the papers and the public could concentrate on it, get the facts and fight. But we reasoned that if we poured them all out fast and furious, one, two, three, one after the other, the papers couldn't handle them all, and the public would be stunned and give up mm. too much. Mm. And then Stefan says, well, you know, you Pennsylvania politicians know something even Tammany doesn't know. And he's talking about the, the, you know, the very famous Tammany Hall political machine in New York. Mm -hmm. The word boss nods and says, yes, we know a lot they don't know. We know that public despair is possible and that that is good politics. Mm. I'm going to read that again. Yeah. We know that public despair is possible and that that is good politics. What does that line mean to you? So that line, it, it means a bunch of things. I mean, it, it, it means very much, um, it ties into the way many people I know are reacting to the current administration. Um, uh, I mean, it seems to be a tactic that administration is trying. <laughs> mm. um, and, and actually, in large part, I think not succeeding. Mm -hmm. um, because so many people have reacted not with despair, but with um, with uh, energy and purpose and involvement. Um, and I, I, you know, the the Stacey the Stacey Abrams campaign in in Georgia is um, just an amazing demonstration of that. Just amazing. Um, but it also it it makes me it it makes me think about Philadelphia because the the. The answer is lies in the people of Philadelphia, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I don't. I the, the answer is is the more people take on an issue, follow an issue, get involved, and really find out really what's going on with an issue, and then stand up and fight for what's right with that issue. The more people who do that the more chance you have to move out of there mm -hmm. to move out of this, the, the despair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
I'm not sure I see any other. I don't, you know, I don't know what other way forward there is. Uh, so Lincoln Steffens is interesting that, that you have a, a book of his um, open. For those who don't know, uh, Lincoln uh, Steffens was a New York reporter who launched a series of articles in McClure's called Tweed Days in St. Louis that would later be published together in a book, in a book, excuse me, titled The Shame of the Cities. He is remembered for investigating corruption in government in American cities and for his early support of the Soviet Union. He died at age 70, August 9th, 1936. I wonder, do you have that book open on your desk because uh, that you're using that as context for your own writing? Oh, no, I, I well, I, I got the book for that context. But when you told me you wanted to talk about corruption in Philadelphia, I, I knew I had to uh, read some of these quotes to you. What does it uh, say about Philadelphia that it, it, it seemingly nothing has changed from 1903 when the book Philadelphia Corrupted and Contented was, was written? That, it seems as if that public despair has been indefinite. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> I mean, they really worked hard to keep that going, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, when you read these interviews with the ward boss from 1900 or whenever it was, uh, you know, it's hard not to, it, it's hard not to imagine that, you know, Bob Brady could be having the same conversation with someone if he, you know, if he were, willing to have an honest conversation about what it is he's doing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and I should say part of what's going on is that the, um, I mean, the thing about the ward boss here and the way Stefan's portrays him is that he gets things done. Mm. He's an inside guy and he's playing the inside game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this question of how do you get inside manage to get things done without becoming part of the problem that's a deep question and i i think i the only answer i know of is quantity that if you have enough people who are standing up and saying i'm going to go in and i'm i'm going to draw the line for the inside game i'm drawing the line here you know i i mean when i started in the democratic party in philadelphia i didn't you know i didn't start out saying I want to run for office. That's not what happened. Okay. I, I started out. Um, I, I mean, it, I started out saying, I want to see how this works and I want to see how far I can get without losing my integrity. Mm-hmm. And I was driven by a mission. I mean, my mission was free and fair elections. And I was very, very upset about um, the, the fact that the John Kerry's loss to George W. Bush in 2004 had relied on these computers that you just couldn't go back and recount. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe George W. Bush won Ohio, maybe John Kerry won Ohio. There was just no way to actually go back and be sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that kind of precipitated my interest in local politics because I learned that that's a decision made at the state and the city level. And, um, and I just kind of followed my nose about free and fair elections. And I, you know, I had never even thought about the city. I didn't even know who the city commissioners were, mm. but I kept running, running into, you know, like, oh, who has the data that I want? Oh, the city commissioners. Oh, I'll just ask them for it. Oh, they won't just give it to me. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, why won't they release public information? It should be public. 
they should release it. Why don't they? Oh, they release it on paper, you know, come down to city hall and you can copy it at 25 cents a page. Mm. Um, you know, um, so, so, so for me, you know, I think loyalty is really important. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the way Philadelphia works, Philadelphia politics works is through personal loyalty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cronyism. Well, you can call it that. Okay. And, and, and it's not quite so simple, right? Because mm-hmm. if that's how things get done, uh, I mean, it's not, personal loyalty is not all bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is cronyism the way you say, but it's not just cronyism. And, and for me, I was loyal to, to my mission. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted to work with people. I wanted to get people on the mission. Were you naive uh, in this, in, in this sense? Well, I, you, listen, I was plenty naive. Mm-hmm. Um, I was plenty naive. Um, but I think that, that it's really, it's an, it's an alternative way to go about politics is through loyalty to a mission. And, and that, you know, I got a lot of stuff done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and lately, I have to say, hearing uh, no less than Lisa Dealey, the current chair of the city commissioner's office, talking about how important it is to get the city of Philadelphia out to vote is... You know, that was my mission. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and no city commissioner talked about that before I got in office. Even though the job, even though that's part of the job, right? Well, it's not. I mean, why? I don't know why you say that's part of the job. I mean, if you look at the job description as written, that's not really part of the job. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's certainly not a legally part of the job. Um, and it wasn't something that uh, folks widely recognized as part of the job. I mean, widely recognized, but the job itself wasn't widely recognized. You know, when I, when I ran for office, we did a, we did a poll, you know, what do the city commissioners do? Right. we like gave four choices, police, fire, elections, and schools, something like that. And it was like, it was a quarter, a quarter, a quarter. It was totally random. Right? People were just, you know, guessing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, um, no, it's not. But I guess to that point, that, I mean, what you just what you alluded to is is a level of ignorance and the truest sense of the word of not knowing. And it seems if that that is also an an, an enabler of corruption is is ignorance, the not knowing what your government is supposed to do. Thus, your expectations are not as high as maybe they should be. That's right. And and the good thing about that, Chris, is that 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 is. That is the key to getting involved in a really powerful way. Knowing is incredibly powerful. And sure, City Hall is huge. And there's so many issues to to think about. My advice is pick one and Mm. become the knowing expert on that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, yeah. No, no, I was just wondering. If like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Philadelphians do that and, you know, take the trouble to show up to that meeting, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, Mm -hmm. you know, not just the city council meeting, 
but these, you know, whatever boring, stupid meetings mm-hmm. there are, that ha- right? Mm-hmm. Pick your issue, pick your issue and just follow it all the way and know everything that you can possibly know about it and push your government to let you know more. That's where, you know, if, if hundreds and thousands of Philadelphians did that, then when someone like me got into an office like city commissioners, I, I would have allies in other mm. places. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I had a few allies and they were awesome. I'm not going to name them. I don't want to get them in trouble. <laughs> but every once in a while, you know, there are a lot of really good, good people in the Philadelphia city government. And mm. every once in a while, there would be something that one of those people could help me with. And all I had to do was, was ask because they were on the mission of really making Philadelphia work better for the people who live in Philadelphia. And so they were on my mission, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, so the more people there are, um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And it, yeah, it's tough. And it's tough to stay an outsider. It's tough to, yeah, it's tough. It's corruption. I want- it's, it's corruption, particularly the, the, the type of brand germane to Philadelphia. Is that its own type of voter suppression that, that, that it just builds and breeds apathy and people just don't give a fuck after a while? Um, I probably, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I know, yeah, I mean, despair is good politics, right? Yeah. Uh, people who despair, yeah, why, yeah, they will take less trouble. I mean, and maybe they won't vote, or maybe if they vote, they're not going to get organized, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe if they get organized, but they despair, they're not going to run for office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what, that's what that, when you read that sentence, that's what, you know, I took away from it was was in another words indifference that indifference is good politics because we want to keep voter turnout low we don't want people engaged in a forum we don't want them asking questions we don't want them showing up to the most mundane of meetings we don't want them looking up data and seeing we don't we don't want them that engaged the the the, the more apathetic they are to this the more control we have yeah and and I and I should say it's 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 um when, when you're in office it's it's kind of a pain in the neck when the public comes comes looking and I even felt that way and you know like I really <laughs> you know like like can you guys just leave me alone to do my job here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, nobody likes to be held accountable I mean mm. even people who want in theory to be held accountable and I really feel I'm one of those people you know, when push came to shove, like having someone looking over your shoulder, that's uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. the, the public should just do it because because in the end, you know, the public is, uh, you know, the public on mass is responsible for this. You know, you and, can't just say, oh, gee, lousy luck on us. Look, another public figure indicted. Right. Aren't, aren't we unlucky? Uh, wow. Well, Journalists, journalists play a big role in mitigating corruption. In your experience, the what, what would you grade the media uh, uh, ecosystem of Philadelphia in terms of, of doing that job? Uh, I was very disappointed in the press. Mm. That they had too uh, cozy of a relationship with the figures? 
Well, so part of it was in the four years that I was in office were really four years when the newspaper industry was just really choking and, and going from bad to worse in Mm -hmm. terms of funding, you know, the traditional, traditionally, uh, you know, back in the day before Craigslist, um, uh, newspapers made so much money from advertising mm-hmm. um, and that funded investigative journalism. And so you had a paper of record like the Philadelphia Inquirer and they would send a reporter to every meeting. Mm-hmm. So the, the papers really used to do this. Um, and then they just, they, they went, you know, they just didn't have the resources to do it anymore. Mm. It's what, you know, why am I going to pay? I don't know. Uh, you know, 50 cents a word for a classified ad in the newspaper when I can put something up on Craigslist for free. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this was a really tough time in the newspaper business. And um, we still haven't recovered in terms of figuring out how to fund investigative journalism. Although I I think some, you know, um, some organizations like The Intercept, you know, The Intercept. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, you know, I send them a little bit of money every month. Mm -hmm. It's like, five bucks, something like that. I mm-hmm. mean, I think, and I think, uh, that is an important, uh, part of the picture is that if people, uh, are, if they're journalists, listeners out there, if there's a journalist you like, uh, subscribe to his podcast mm. or, you know, <laughs> hint, hint. throw some love because that's the way that, um, that investigative journalism is going to be funded now yeah. and we can do it that way. And it's actually, I like it a lot because then our investigative journalisms are working for us, the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really powerful. I mean, I have some concerns and I don't, I don't know what to do about this with the idea that, you know, if I like the intercept and I'm sending money to the intercept and reading the intercept, or if I, you know, like blood, the drummer and I'm sending him money and listening to his stuff. Cause I like what he says. I, I you know, that is going to contribute. That is contributing to the, the way different Americans are getting their news from different places, mm-hmm. which are places that they like, which, and I think it is dangerous for the United States and really any community when different people are, when we don't have a common set of facts and a Mm -hmm, common mm -hmm. set of, a common understanding of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And and yeah, and that's, that's, that's a whole other kind of topic, but um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so Lincoln Stevens had his book about corruption in Philadelphia, and you know it could be argued what the impact of that was, if at all. What do you what do you hope the impact of your book will have on on the impact uh, on on the corruption of the city, and what in particular uh, can people expect from it? Well, so uh, so my book is really it's just my story, you know okay. what I. <laughs> what I, what I did, what I was trying to do, what I did. Um, and my, my fondest hopes for it is that it might help, uh, Philadelphians find their way out Mm. to a different place. Mm -hmm. Um, it might help people who are in Philadelphia or not, who want to do this kind of work of, of, 
calling out corruption, getting getting educated, calling out corruption, um, getting organized, running for office, winning office, doing, you know, and and keeping their eye on the ball. Um, I hope it would it would help and inspire some of them. And and uh, and. Yeah. You know, and help them uh, avoid some of the mistakes I made. Yeah, I used to be really super unhappy with having made mistakes. I mean, especially because okay. I, cause I uh, I'm trained as a mathematician and and and, you know, in mathematics, there's this premium on like, really, you need to get things right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just have to get things right. Um, and it was really hard for me to look back and say, oh, my God, I did this thing that I shouldn't have done. And I didn't do that thing that I should have done. And uh, I used to beat myself up about that. And, and I don't anymore um, mm. because everybody makes mistakes, especially mm. when you're, you're, you know, you're going in and doing something that, that, you know, not a lot of people have done before you. And those who have haven't told you about it. Um, so, yeah. So. And that's actually been a nice byproduct of writing the book is to say, yeah, okay, I made that mistake. And, you know, that's okay. I was, I was trying to do good stuff and, and I did get some good stuff done and, you know. Do you, now, 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 now Lincoln says that, you know, Philadelphians are optimistic. Uh, you're, you're now on the, the West Coast, but you were a Philadelphian. Do you think the spell, <laughs> I call it a spell, do you think the spell in Philadelphia can be broken or is Philadelphia a lost cause? I mean, can, can the machine be defeated? Can, can Philadelphia really yeah. see a new day? Oh yeah. Yeah, it can. I mean, it's, it's look, it's a long fight. Um, but uh, I, I really hope so. And, and I, I think that, um, that the, the thing that has really changed since the days when the machine got started is how easy it is to get information mm-hmm. because of the internet um, and because we're connected and how much easier it is to organize. I mean, you know, uh, I don't know, Chris, you're probably not old enough to know what a phone tree is. <laughs> no, never even heard the term. Okay. So a phone tree <laughs> A phone tree. So if you uh, don't have emails and you're trying to, you, you need, a, you know, you need to get the word out quickly to a large group of people. Like um, uh, the way you organize is you have a phone tree. You have someone at the top of the tree who is supposed to call these five people and those five people each call five people on the okay. phone. And mm-hmm. by the way, a phone is something that... <laughs> is plugged into the wall of your house. Okay? It's not something you carry around with you. The phone is a is an object that is inside your house tied to the wall. <laughs> and, and it may be cordless if you're lucky. That was that came much later. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 the point is that it's so much easier to organize. And that, I think that that's part of what we've been seeing, like with the Abrams campaign and with, and with the Obama campaign mm-hmm. um, um, and with the Tea Party. It's all of a sudden so much easier to organize. Mm. And, um, 
yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm curious to see what happens mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Well, what do you think about where we are right now with a mayor like Jim Kinney and a, particularly a DA like Krasner who has become a national celebrity in his own right? Do you feel like we're moving in the right direction with figures like that? I don't know. Only time I mean, will are tell, they, I guess. Time will tell. I mean, Kenny, I'm pretty sure, is, a, is an inside player, which, pretty again, doesn't so. mean he's a bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. But it means that he, I mean, inside players, they have to, at the very least, not criticize other insiders who are doing corrupt stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would bet there's stuff that he knows about that he's not calling out because he wants to get stuff done. And that's part of the deal. Um, well, on the other hand, is, Krasner is the quintessential outsider, in my opinion. Well, but is he still? So, and, and I haven't been paying close enough attention. But for instance, if he wants to get reelected, mm-hmm. what kinds of what kinds of relationships is he forming so that he can get reelected and continue doing his good work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a. I don't know the answer. Are you to that. suggesting that you have to play ball on some level? I I certainly don't have a recipe for. Uh, for doing it any other way Mm. Mm -hmm. until there are a lot of people who are stepping up to do it another way. If you could go back in time, knowing what you know now, would you have built a a coalition of people who would, who would be running on your ticket, who would have ran along with you rather than, you know, you, you kind of going solo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would. Yeah. I would want to be part of a team. Mm-hmm. Definitely part of a team. So just to, to wrap up, when this book comes out, I, you know, I have to imagine some of the criticism would be, you know, you know, the, they might say this is a disgruntled ex-employee. There's someone who didn't, you know, things didn't go her way here and, and now she's uh, mad about it. Why should people listen and care with what you have to say about this issue, either on this podcast or, or when your book comes out? Well, I mean, it's up to y'all. I mean, I'm just telling my story. <laughs> I'm just telling my story. And, you know, if it doesn't resonate with you, fine. Go okay. go listen to somebody else's story. Um, um, yeah, I, you know, why do I think people should care? I, I think people should care because I, I really honestly tried to do my best. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I really honestly tried. Yeah. I tried my best. I put everything I could into it. And, um, and you know, I got pretty far. Mm-hmm. And I got some stuff done. And I, I think that's worth, that's worth saying. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it'll resonate to people outside of Philadelphia? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, so many people are stepping up to run for office, right? Mm-hmm. And so many people are going to face this inside-outside thing. Um, and how they respond is, is going to really determine how the, how the country goes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
I'm curious. I wonder, do you think Philadelphia is any more corrupt than any other city? I know yes. uh, I, <laughs> I could even fit it. Okay. <laughs> you, so you oh, think it's look, a special I, I, brand of corruption here? Look, I, you know, I don't know that many other cities, but I've been living in Portland, Oregon for three years now. Okay. okay. And, and what are the kinds of things that Portland, Oregon talks about? Well, um, okay, women, we have a lot of protests going on. Uh, you know, people, people who feel violently strongly on, on diametrically opposed sides of, of any issue seem to love to come to Portland and <laughs> do get out on the street. So, so we talk about, you know, how should the police be handling that? And um, um, yeah, so there's that kind of thing. Um, but for instance, Portland has this Project Zero that there should be no pedestrian deaths in Portland. Mm-hmm. And they are, based on the data, just kind of going through. <laughs> and they're like, okay, we've had some that, you know, problems at this intersection. We're putting in a light. We've mm-hmm. had, you know, it, it just seems so functional. And, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and you know, there's plenty of stuff that's not functional. You know, there's, you know, inspections of, of uh uh, uh, you know, um, housing, you know, um, construction or, you know, repairs to houses. Right. I mean, there's, you know, there's like, there's plenty of stuff to complain about. It's not like the government is perfect, mm-hmm. but, um, but it seems basically functional and, um, and people expect it. They, people in Portland expect their leaders to do the right thing mm, they have high standards they believe they have the right to that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean so yeah yeah well listen i want to wrap it up i know that you're doing a podcast now tell our listeners where they can find your podcast and, and, and what it's about and how they can follow you online yeah, so uh, my podcast is called Defend Democracy, and oh, uh, it's, it's just getting started. Uh, you can find it on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. You can find it on Anchor FM. If you want to send me some love in the form of a donation, you can do that on Anchor FM. Uh, and um, yeah, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm about to start a series. Uh, I want to have a series of conversations uh, with people I trust about issues that we disagree on. Nice. And, uh, looking forward to having one with you, Chris, on the, the, the Me Too movement. And maybe Absolutely. we'll have some, some other conversations. Uh, uh, and I have another one lined up with uh, John Durso, who does the Bridging Our Divide podcast. Um, mm-hmm. He interviewed me for one of his podcasts. So that's another. And you're new to podcasting. Are you having fun with it? Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> okay. I love it. You know, because I've got, I got a big mouth. Mm-hmm. I got stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, if there's an audience out there, that's awesome. <laughs> nice. Booming. A, 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 what is that? A, 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 a new podcast, a forthcoming book. So you're keeping yourself busy. Uh, and life outside of Philadelphia after Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and doing a lot of work still for free and fair elections, um, concentrating on trying to get uh, everyone voting on paper ballots and making sure that um, that when those ballots get counted by computers, there's just uh, routine, just routine auditing of how the computer did, you know, the same way you'd audit the books of a big company or 
Um, you just check your work, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I've been doing. I've been doing a lot of that kind of work too. You're really passionate about this election issue. You know, it just seems like uh, a basic pillar uh, of equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. And um, it, uh, yeah, you know, democracy, I really think it, it allows us to share a country with people we disagree with yeah. without, without going to violence. Mm. Give you a... I... Go ahead, I'm sorry, what did you say? No, I just, I just think that, that uh, we're living in a dangerous time. And mm. um, yeah, I think, I think we really need to, um, to, well, to, to build and preserve our democracy so that we can get through it in one piece. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I agree. Uh, you can follow Stephanie Singer on Twitter at SF. That's S as in Stephanie, F as in Frank Singer. Uh, and again, her podcast is Defend Democracy. It's available on iTunes, Anchor.fm, and wherever else you enjoy podcasts. For me, you can follow me across social media at Flood the Drummer. Uh, you can subscribe to my podcast on Anchor iTunes, Google Podcasts, it's called Drumming for Justice. And like Stephanie, don't be shy about sending your donation. There's a nice little button that says support this podcast when you go to Anchor. If you enjoy what we're talking about, please feel free to do so. You can check out my new article uh, on the issue of corruption entitled Michael Nutter has a legacy of ethics. Will Desiree Peterkin Bell ruin it? That's available on Apple News. Just go to Apple News and search tech book online or go to facebook.com slash Inc. For Stephanie Singer, until next time, I'm Flood the Drummer, and I'm drumming for justice. But, um-